We welcome you to a Disney at Play podcast. This is Jeff Kober, and we are so pleased to present to you what is pretty much a, a, a pretty strong, solid review of the excitement around Rise of the Resistance, which has premiered at Walt Disney World in Disney's Hollywood Studios. I've had the chance to write it a couple of times during the opening days of the attraction. Um, my uh, children have also written it and others have written it and I wanted to share with you my insights and guidance on this. I know that I am due a podcast, the final fourth installment of my Tom Morris interview uh, where we kind of focus on Hong Kong Disneyland. I promise you that's coming. I've recently had um, uh, clients who I've hosted here at Walt Disney World over the last week or so and so I've been very busy uh, preparing and, and handling their their visit uh, and and preparing a uh, a really um, great experience for them. So I apologize, but clients come first, and now I'm back, and I'm just so excited to share with you uh, my experience uh, being on Rise of the Resistance, having waited over four and a half years since the announcement at D23, and and now it's here, and I am. I can summarize. Um, I can summarize my experience in um, in one word, and that is breathtaking. It really did make me stop, and um, I, I was just kind of blown away, speechless in many ways, because. And this is so interesting because here I am. You know, if you're not familiar. Uh, I already have a complete guide to all of Galaxy's Edge to, to include a, a spoiler version of what is actually taking on the taking uh, taking place on the attraction. So it's not like I have no clue what was going on or what was going to happen, and yet what unfolded was so beyond what I had expected. And had so many elements, so many special effects, so many, uh, just so many twists and turns to it that it 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 was uh, something that truly left me speechless. It was breathtaking, and I'm excited to share it with you today. Please be sure to follow along in my um on my uh, Disney at Play site because we have a. Uh, dozens of photos which uh, kind of share some of the things you'll see in the attraction and uh, and you'll want to see that I'm tempted to take video I know there's already uh, POV video out there of the attraction and maybe I'll do it at some point but right now I really want to relish the attraction and I think the podcast is going to explain some things you can't just see watching it and the photos are going to illustrate what I'm trying to describe. So I think it's the best combination. Call it a little uh, bit of a talking slideshow today. But if you get a chance, do definitely look at the photos because they illuminate what you're going to, to see. Now I'm going to cover it in two parts. The first being the logistics of doing this experience and what that involved and what you can expect in planning your visit. And we don't know everything, but we know some things. And... And we want to share that with you. And then I'm going to get into a second part, which really describes the attraction itself and kind of goes into some details, not intending to be um, a spoiler of the experience, 
but honestly, there's so much to see that um, I, I, I think sharing it and explaining it to you, you're still going to be blown away by it. So I, I don't know. I, you may not want to join me for the second half of this podcast, but, uh, but if you want to know some of the very cool things that make this uh, attraction occur, then um, please uh, stay with us. The uh, attraction is described as something on a scale that is impressive. It is a massive attraction, in Disney's words, with multiple ride systems that is unlike anything you've ever experienced at Walt Disney World Resort or anything else in the galaxy. Um, The premise is that the resistance needs your help. You um, enter into an area where as the rest of Galaxy's Edge has this uh, mixture of buildings and, of course, the Millennium Falcon and ships and things like this, the other side of Batu is this forest. And while there is this um, uh, entranceway into the attraction, looking out, you would never guess what you're going to experience. Even with Pandora, you don't know exactly what the ride experience for Flight of Passage is going to be, but at least you get the majesty of these mountains and fountains, and you kind of get a sense of that. You do see these big mountains in the background, but still you really don't know just how massive this experience is. Um, The description goes on to say, with the First Order desperate to extinguish the spark of the Resistance, the mission is bound to have unexpected twists and turns. When your transport is captured by an imposing First Order Star Destroyer filled with legions of stormtroopers and even Kylo Ren, you're going to need all the help you can get. Fortunately, a covert team of resistance fighters, including Rey and BB-8, is at the ready to give you a fighting chance to escape and a chance for the resistance to rise. It concludes by saying, prepare for a thrilling First of its kind adventures, so true. There is a 40 inch um, uh, height requirement involved. The attraction is listed as being for kids, tweens, teens, and adults. Totally agree with that. I would not take anyone who does not understand that this is make believe because it can get pretty real at times. And so, if you have a small child who thinks this is really the thing that's happened, I would. I'd maybe do a, a parent swap on that. It is a thrill ride. It includes small drops. It is dark. It is loud. Um, um, you are going to, um, in a uh, wheelchair or ECV, you must be able to transfer. In fact, um, we had um, one individual who um, was with our party when I first wrote it that, that did just that. Um, and they make that pretty doable. Um, that's all pretty workable. Um, that said, um, their Pirates of the Caribbean is a thrill ride with small drops and is dark and is loud. So if you could see it from that point of view, it's pretty much comparable to, to that in description. Uh, Disney, I went on the, the opening day of the attraction and right now it is, um, they have been stating a stated time for opening, but they have actually been opening the park earlier than that. 
And so it is, um, do not necessarily, at least for the weeks to come, do not depend on the stated opening time. Um, Disney has done an amazing and a fantastic job of opening this attraction. Day one, there must have been at least 250, 300 cast members being used just as a human human wall to guide guests and direct people and not create um, craziness as you entered into the park. So I have to hand it off. And, and uh, parking was open hours early. Security was open hours early. Again, the gates opened early. We got there just a few minutes before 6 a.m. on opening day. And, um, and then uh, um, as we did so, um, we were then um, taken to Disney's, uh, to the front of the Chinese theater. And then at 6.30, there was a rope drop and then we continued on. Now, two days later, I did it again and we got there much earlier. Now, what you want to understand is it's not about being first in line. It's about being the first to join a boarding group. They do not have a standby line per se, although when you are put through it, you are put through the standby line. So I know that seems a little confusing, but please understand that you have to download your My Disney Experience app. And when you enter the park, the first thing you must do is join a boarding group. And that boarding group is going to give you a number and that number is going to be shown as, as its progress. We were 31 on the first day that we um, uh, joined up and it was about 10.30 in the morning before uh, we actually boarded. Uh, we got there much, much earlier. We were one of the first people in the park and we were boarding group 10 of uh, those joining that first morning and uh, on that third morning. And so we're boarding group 10 of that for third morning. And so you get an idea right now. It's Monday, uh, the, the first Monday after opening. And they're right now boarding groups 13 to 30. So you can see that it seems, and oh, by the way, I'm recording this at about 8.15 in the morning as we speak on this. So, so it seems like it's moving a little faster, but here's the truth that the boarding group sizes have been changing in size over the last couple of days as they kind of figure this out and work it through. They're trying to get the right flow of guests into the attraction so that you're not just arriving and now I'm going to wait for hours at end on end to um, board the attraction. On the first day, we did wait about 40 minutes in that extended standby queue. On the third day, we practically walked on to it. Um, it was, so it was much better. All that said and done, the other thing you should know is that this is a complicated attraction. And because it's so complicated and because so many elements are working together, couple of things are going to happen. First of all, not every special effect is going to work. And so be patient with that. If you really want to see it perfectly done, then come back in a year. But if you want to be among the first or whatever, then be aware, not everything's going to work perfectly the first time around. Um, the second thing you should know is that the attraction will go down. And they've done a pretty good job once the attraction's down of trying to turn that around and get back up and going. Um, we were... My daughter was able to go, where actually my two daughters were able to go on the third evening. 
and uh, their boarding group was like 76, and they got right to where they were ready to board, and the attraction went, and they actually did, I'm sorry, they actually did board and standed in the extended queue for about 40 minutes, and then they finally got into a portion of the attraction, but before boarding the primary ride vehicle, uh, the attraction broke down. They were given a fast pass to come back at any other time, and that fast pass was also good for the following day. Um, so that was what they were handed at the attraction. Um, and they waited probably another hour and a half, and then they were finally able to board that attraction. And that, when they returned with the fast pass, they actually went through the fast pass line which still was a little bit of a queue, but not much. And then uh, they boarded the attraction, but honestly, there were a couple of pieces not working when they went through that uh, version um, or that, that, um, that time. So be aware of these elements. Best thing I can tell you is that uh, you want to uh, you want to line up, you want to get there early to be in this virtual queue. Um, by the way, uh, I, have autist, I have autistic children. One is severely autistic, so on that spectrum. So we use a guest disability pass. At this point, they are not accepting guest disability passes. You need to bring your party in early in the morning, get that boarding pass, and then you can go back home. You can go back to your hotel. You can go to another park. You can go anywhere you want. Keep an eye on the My Magic app because it'll tell you how how quickly things are being groups are being boarded, and come back at the at the designated time. They give you about two hours, not one hour, two hours, to come into the um, come into the attraction and ride it, or come back to it and join your boarding group. So, so you have freedom to come get in early. In in the several days I have seen. Um, the attraction being given out um, boarding passes, what I have noticed is that usually by 8 or 8.30, those boarding passes have been um, given out. So um, I would arrive before the stated opening time to get a, um, a boarding pass. And it doesn't mean that you have to be the first into the park. You can, again, join enjoy the rest of your days, but, uh, but know that, uh, you've got, um, uh, uh, options just depending on when you enter the park. So what's my recommendation? I suggest getting there early. I suggest you getting there early before the park opens. I don't think you have to be the first one into the park, depending on the timing of when you want to get that boarding pass. If you want to get that boarding pass, the earliest boarding pass possible and get on that ride and leave the park, then be the first to get to the park that morning. Plan on being there probably at least a couple hours before the stated opening. But I do suggest that you be there by opening or even beforehand if you want a boarding pass at all, because boarding passes are going to be handed out for some time to come. They have not announced they're doing a fast pass for this and they have yet to introduce fast pass for uh, the Millennium Falcon attraction. And so I just, I really recommend that you just get there early, get your boarding pass, enjoy other things. I took my group on the first day 
and we walked right on to Rise of the Resistance with no wait. We did that twice. We went and got breakfast. Uh, we went and did some uh, business programming things related to the the program I was delivering them. We we talked about leadership that morning and customer service. And then about, again, 1030, our group was ready to board the attraction. So um, just pace out your day. Sometimes other attractions like uh, attractions in Toy Story Land or even Tower of Terror and Rock and Roller Coaster have been open early. So inquire if that's what you want to do, because once you have your boarding pass, you can go do whatever you want during that time frame. Go get on the Skyliner and take a ride over to Epcot. There's lots of choices for you once you get your boarding pass, but do get your boarding pass early. Now, I also have to say that um, I don't know what the Disneyland version of this is going to be. Time will tell in the next couple of weeks as to how they're going to process that attraction. They do have the benefit of Max Pass, which they could take advantage of. Um, but we'll have to see. I would hope that they do the same thing here, and I hope that they they do this boarding pass, first come, first serve, for a while to come at Walt Disney World. I think it's a blessing. I think it gives a fair chance. It just simply is a statement that if this ride matters to you, get there early and go do it. Um, and so I highly recommend that you do that. Now, another option is to spend a good deal of money and get one of the uh, tour guides that take you um, and walk you onto the attraction directly, but that's hundreds and hundreds of dollars spent, and uh, I I just can't quite justify that in my own mind. But if that matters, if if time matters to you and you got the money, go for it. That does provide another option for you as you as you get ready. So that's kind of the logistics. Um, and I think you get a sense of what's involved with actually uh, having the uh, experience of getting into Rise of the Resistance. Now, at this point, I'm going to talk about the attraction itself and go into some details. And, uh, and some of them will be spoilers. So be aware that after I talk about the uh, extended queue, uh, it's going to, we're going to have some spoilers coming along. So not intending to be spoilers, but I wanted you to know how this works logistically so that you can appreciate it um, as you go through the attraction. They have really done a fantastic job of pulling so many details. That said, if there's one place I was kind of disappointed, it was the extended queue. The extended queue has an outside portion, which is actually quite lovely, landscaped, lots of fans for the hot summer heat, some beautiful waterfalls. It's really quite lovely. That was okay, especially this time of year. Um, the with the boarding uh, with the uh, boarding groups, you really didn't spend any time out there. You really your queue didn't really start until about the time you hit the caves. The caves have a wonderful benefit of being cool and indoors and what I assume being air conditioned enough sufficiently during the summer to really make your stay so much more enjoyable. Um, that's the good news. The bad news is, is that it's pretty much just caves. So you may have heard, if you've heard some, some discussion about this attraction, 
you may have heard that, oh, they've sculpted these benches into the rockwork, so while you're waiting, you can have a seat. And they did that, and they did that quite often in just about every cave I went to. But still, it was cave after cave after cave. It must have been like seven or eight caves or cave-like hallways. And um, there was theming in the sense that uh, gear that belonged to the resistance or an occasional um, map was, was shown. Um, and that was okay, but compared to Flight of Passage, if now if you haven't done, I honestly, I have to tell you, I think that one of the best cues ever done is Flight of Passage. And I'm referencing the standby cue, not the fast pass cue. In the standby cue, you go through the exterior, which is gorgeous with all those floating um, islands, mountains, and then you go inside to a cave-like area. That's okay. But then you move into some abandoned barracks. Um, and then you move into the forest. And then you move into um, a lab where you see Hank in the tank and other things going on. And then you move into another room before you finally start um, merging with the fast pass queue. There's just all these variety of different rooms you go into. Here it's just another cave room followed by another cave room. I think it would have been really cool to have had scene one like interactive elements. The truth is there is a Play Disney app and they've added some additional elements with the um, opening of Rise of the Resistance. I believe as you go through, you there are places where you can kind of barcode to read the contents of different crates and different elements there. But I got to tell you, that's not holding me a whole lot as an interactive experience. And, um, and when we went through the first day, um, it felt like we were in the standby line because it didn't move very quickly. It was a 40 minute passage of time in that area. And we did a lot of stopping. Um, it almost felt like fast pass people were moving already, already through, but there was no real fast pass, maybe a couple of VIP groups, but really nothing in terms of fast pass groups. And yet it was going slow. And I'll explain why I think that's the case because you eventually get to an area into uh, a cave where you meet up with BB-8 and um, in what is an amazing, um, what is an amazing use of what seems like a hologram, you then are given the opportunity to uh, see Ray and Ray gives you your mission and she and and I I love the I love this segment here first of all she turns to BB-8 and says has have have the fighters been gathered the resistance fighters been gathered and BB-8 you know does his little thing and and then she turns to him and saying shouldn't you be heading to um uh to pre-flight uh prep at this point and BB-8 go beep, 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 and then he scurries off and you and uh, and you don't see him until the door is open and then if you keep an eye open look to the x-wing on your right you see BB-8 already in his position in pose fighter ship um it's also there by the way you are introduced um not only to Ray but you're also introduced to Poe 
and to a couple of familiar uh, faces from the Star Wars uh, tr trilogies. You have Lieutenant Beck and Nian Num, and they are going to um, take you on what is this U-wing fighter, um, U-wing transport ship, on what is a um, secret mission in which you have coordinates and um, you're heading to share those coordinates with General Leia Organa. That's the only time that anyone from the original sh um, three movies is mentioned. The idea that you're heading to to see General Leia. Um, you don't see General Leia, but, but, but that is the premise of this experience. And, and then from there, you cross over, you go back outside to an enclosed area that is underneath a cave entrance and you head across to what is um, this U-ship, that transporter, that's going to carry you um, to, to, um, to General um, Leia Organa's um, whereabouts. Um, and that's when you can see the X-Wing, you see Poe Dameron. Both ships are in prep mode, um, probably even more effective at night. Um, and by the way, um, well, I, I'll come back to that in a moment, but, but just... The, there is a sense and the resistance fighters or cast members helping you they are energized come on we got to get on board the ship we got to go we got to make it happen and there's a sense of energy from the moment that ray gives you your assignment the and that and through the rest of the journey there is an anticipation there's a sense of excitement there's a, there's an adrenaline build as you go through it now the challenge here is that there's a little, well, there seems to be a little bit of a uh, bottleneck here. The U-ship seems to not be moving people through as quickly as possible. And this is where we're getting into um, uh, a little bit of spoiler. So you're going to jump over this if you, if you don't want to hear this. Um, first of all, there are two chambers where you are given, you are introduced to BB-8 and you see... Um, Ray in this hologram experience. Then they fluctuate those two groups onto the U-ship. But I, and the U-ship can quite a, accommodate quite a few people in the, in the cave where you saw um, Ray and BB-8 accommodates quite a few guests. Um, but there was a holdup. And the first time I went on the attraction, we just sat there forever, waiting, 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 with BB-8 kind of going beep, 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 forever in a day before we finally saw the hologram of Ray. But then once she was done, the doors opened and boom, we went. And it was great energy from there. The second time around, we went right into the film, but at the end of the film, we waited. And I mean, we waited a good five, <coughs> six minutes. And that just removed all the adrenaline from the experience. So... Again, this is part of being a new attraction. Disney's got to work that timing. But you want to get onto this U-ship. <clears throat> now, again, I, I've said I know a whole lot about this attraction before it even opened. This U-ship is Disney's most advanced form of what I would call a hydrolator. But instead of, if you remember, the old Living Seas had a hydrolator. You stepped into this elevator type thing and it took you down five fathoms or whatever it was to the bottom of the ocean floor. And there are all these bubbles that rose up in the hydrolator, gave you a sense you were going down. And, you know, the lights would show different signs and so forth. 
And in truth, the hydrolator only went about half an inch. It just gave you a sense of movement as you went through. This ship is does the same thing, only it's taking you up into space instead of down below the sea. However, in truth, uh, it's not going anywhere vertically. Uh, however, you would not know it being on this ship. This ship does an amazing job of creating a simulator type experience like Star Wars, but without having you buckled into a seat. There are hold uh, positions where you could stand and hold on to something, and um, but I've stood there and without needing to hold it. Still, you feel the bumps and everything. And, um, and you see out the videos, the front and the side, and then there are screens, or the front and the back, and then there's sides. I think the best place to stand is in the back um, because you see a lot of things happening on the screen in the back. And the ship is moving. It is very convincing. I should also say that they have rigged it. If you remember in Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run, if it's daytime, you take off and it looks like daytime outside your portal. If it's nighttime, it looks like nighttime. They have done the same thing on these ships at the beginning and the end of the attraction. So it's just lots of little details. Very cool. The ship is taken by a Star Destroyer. It is intercepted. Poe has to race off to get help. Um, and your ship is being brought into a hangar of a Star Destroyer. And you are being um, brought aboard as a prisoner. Now, as you get ready to exit this ship, I love the fact that all the guests had now moved to the opposite side of where they had boarded in preparation to walk out of this uh, attraction and, and enter the next scene. But what's so cool is that the doors that open are the same ones you entered into. And so guests are totally surprised when they turn around and they see that the very doors that brought them on board that came from the outside are now leading them out into the Star Destroyer. And here is the scene of all scenes. This is the equivalent of when you go down the waterfall and you see the Pirates of the Caribbean ship and the fortress and they're both uh, battling between each other. That moment where you said, wow, is the wow that you get here in Rise of the Resistance. To walk onto that deck and to see about 50 stormtroopers all in a row. You see a TIE fighter um, up on, um, to one side. It is, uh, it is totally breathless. You see outside the, uh, the, uh, the uh, deck, you see ships going by in space. It is truly an impressive moment. And it is designed not to really further the storyline per se. You're not on a ride vehicle at this time. You're really moving. This is the equivalent. This is the space equivalent of what happens between a stretching room in the Haunted Mansion and boarding a doom, a doom buggy. This is a space of time that's just kind of in between, and yet they have made it into a majestic moment. And what caps it off is the performance of the cast members. 
you remember that when you went on the great movie ride, rest in peace, that the, what made or broke that attraction experience was the cast members, whether it was your host on the vehicle or whether it was a gangster or a cowboy, that made or broke the experience for you when you went on that attraction. Here, we have cast members who are um, a part of uh, the show here. They are they are literally um, uh, dressed as part of the First Order. And I think they have recruited cast members who were over guests, who were just worn out from being smiley, happy cast members because there ain't no smiley, happy thing going on here. They are, they are just loving the fact that they get to um, send out orders and dictate where you go and tell you. And I, I turned to, I, I was taking pictures as I went around and I knew one of these guys were right behind me. So I quickly jumped backwards and took a picture of this cast member as he was boarding me. You got to see it on the, on the Disney at play website. It's just, it's priceless. Uh, by the way, one of the challenges with this as you going into this space is that there, you're going to be lined up <clears throat> to what is called the interrogation room. And unfortunately, they tend to kind of move you quickly through this big space. Don't rush too quickly. Put up with a little guff from them if they say move along. Take some pictures, get a selfie. This is a once in a lifetime moment to really grab a picture. I noticed that they had the stars of the next Star Wars film actually in a ride vehicle that actually is posted there as you enter this area, it's just an empty ride vehicle. And now I've kind of sensed and wondered if they hadn't put that ride vehicle there so that people could have a chance to get a photo if they wanted to get a photo. Um, so uh, take pictures while you're there. Don't rush too quickly to go into the next uh, hallway because once you're there. But I tell you what, here's how effective this whole thing was. When we were pushed into that hallway, you could have heard a pin drop. People were intimidated. People were in the experience. People were, were their, their jaw had dropped. They totally were blown away by what they were experiencing and everybody was quiet. And so they lead you around the corner uh, during this hallway and they put you into groups by color and into one of what is four interrogation rooms. And these interrogation rooms, um, when they open up, they file you in, and it's a little bit like, again, the stretch room where there are no um, windows and no doors, so it seems. And where you are is you are down below, and above you is a screen, and in front of the screen are these bars, and you see a stormtrooper watching over you, and soon enough, um, General Hux comes along and starts um, um, explaining that you will be interrogated. And, and then Kylo Ren shows up for the interrogation. And all the time that this is taking place, this is actually a screen that you're looking at. It looks so convincing. And behind the bars, it just feels... Again, like that sense of, uh, of a multi-plane camera like you get when you're in the Navi River journey. 
But what made this so cool is that on the ceiling, which was slanted down towards you to kind of give you a sense of intimidation to the size, you almost feel like you're entering that scene in Willy Wonka where you go into that room and it gets smaller and smaller and smaller and there's no exit to it. It's almost a little bit like that, that scene in the original Willy Wonka. And and the, the ceiling slants and there's a shaft of red light that seems to emanate from uh, where the stormtroopers and General Hux and Kylo Ren is. And what's so cool is as they are talking, that shaft of light shifts as if they were literally walking above you. It is an unbelievably convincing uh, special effect. And I got to tell you, this is this attraction is full of special effects. They have done an amazing job pulling off some things. Because after the guards leave and you're left in the interrogation cell, all of a sudden a beam of light happens along the side wall and suddenly your wall opens and resistance fighters have broken the door and you see this corrugated red i'll show a picture of it in my thing this corrugated red element that suggests where they have cut through the door it's so cool and they're rushing you and say hurry hurry we've got some vehicles to get you to help you escape and so you get into these ride vehicles and well, the way they've done this is actually there are two sets of ride vehicles and they're alternating boarding at different times. Um, your group is in one of two vehicles and there's there's four seats and two rows. So essentially eight people to a vehicle and two vehicles running throughout the, sh the remainder of the experience together. And what makes this so cool at this time, by the way, safety instructions come, you are put into a seat, you got to pull on the yellow strap, they're checking on safety matters. Um, Finn shows up on the screen to kind of give you further story and further instruction. What's going to happen? We're going to get you out of there kind of thing. And then your vehicle takes off. And oh, it takes off. It, It is, it just, there. it's a trackless vehicle, but it's so smooth. And it just moves not only forward, but backward and sideways. And it just flows. And flows at speed. I mean, not, you know, race test track speeds, but it flows and it moves. This is not the the Tower, Tower of Terror ride vehicle moving across the fifth dimension slowly. This thing sails through. And, you're, and both vehicles are turning and positioned in different ways. So what is really happening here is, is you're in a story arch here. This is not like Pirates of the Caribbean where... You're just kind of in a setting and you hear bits and pieces or as Walt Disney said, it's kind of like a cocktail party. There are lots of details, but there is a plot and story. And yet because you're, you're in one of two different cars and because you're facing different directions at different times, you see different things. And it's just, it's just phenomenal. You, you quickly get into, um, you're quickly found by stormtroopers as having escaped and they're firing at you and when they fire at you it looks like they've hit the consoles and if you remember the um muppet 4d you know when the when the theater kind of blows apart from from the chef's cannon um you see these this this blown away sections of the theater with its 
um, brick and mortar and some fiber optics. It's almost like that on a very small scale, but in Muppets, they're using a scrim to hide it. And so it's an adjustment of light that causes you to be able to see it. I don't, I don't know how they're pulling this off. It is so amazing how they have pulled this off because it looks like a console at one point and then it's blown up pieces. And so at any rate, they're starting to shoot at you. You end up with um, a number of scenes. You see General Hux as an animatronic as well as, as, well as uh, Kylo Ren. And, uh, and they're telling you certain things and they're looking down at you. Um, you go away and you come into the scene with the AT-ATs or ATATs, uh, however you pronounce it. Um, I had seen this show building under construction. I had seen the, the AT-ATs under construction. I had seen the room where you walk in initially, um, the hangar. And, uh, and so I had a sense of this. I thought, okay, this is kind of interesting, the AT-ATs, but the, it is so clever how they move both vehicles in different ways through that scene you get different views and they use the space so uniquely. And then, and this is where it gets to a new spoiler alert. You are backed up into a load shaft. Now, this is the same thing that happens in Tower of Terror. You never really are placed into an elevator. You're placed in a ride vehicle that's in a load shaft, one of four load shafts at Disney's Hollywood Studios differently designed. I'll explain another day at California and Paris. But but those four sh load shafts took you up to a scene, then took you up to the fifth dimension. And your ride vehicle went across slowly and went into, combined into one of two drop shafts that you went through the scene. This is an upshaft where your ride vehicle is locked in place and it's taken up. And what makes this scene so clever is now you're at the POV, the point of view of of the people who are commandeering these AT-ATs and they see you and they fire at you. More gunfire um, comes at you. Very clever uh, use of that scene. And again, because you see things and you're in positions, I didn't even see Kylo Ren, uh, not Kylo, I didn't even see Finn as an animatronic until the second time I wrote it. You just see new and different things. Then you get uh, chased around. There's a moment where Kylo is moving towards you. It It is a screen image, but it looks so convincing. There's another moment where Kylo is cutting through. You've probably seen this in the commercial with the lightsaber. So convincing. Um, you are, uh, it's just everything is so clever. You are put into this scene where the gunships are firing away at the resistance in space. And so there's this massive screen of space and you end up between these gunships which are propelling back and forth they're um they're shooting at the star destroyers or at the at the resistance and you um, move your way through that so um immersive so star wars so clever you finally get to this scene where kylo is gonna take care of you at this point now i've got to tell you this scene with kylo ren as an audio animatronic, I have to tell you for a moment, I wondered if I wasn't saying the Wicked Witch of the West. <laughs> um, it just had this movement to it that just reminded me of a grand old time at the great movie ride. But it is a great 
uh, moment there. There is um, uh, parts of the ship fall through to the ground. For the ceiling kind of falls down and it blocks you from Kylo um, um, ruining you, destroying you. Um, that didn't work out as well. And what I realized at that point was there, there are a couple of things that are missing in this attraction and they are small things. One is um, when you're in this, when I, I mentioned the hallway and everybody was really quiet, I needed some white noise. I needed that that sound you you hear when you're in Space Mountain or you're in Mission Space, that, that sound like you're on a starship. I needed that sound. That would have been really good during those initial moments. But in this particular scene, I think smoke would have really helped. Um, and I didn't see any smoke. Now, maybe that's just an effect that hasn't quite worked out yet or... If, Disney always uses smoke, so I'm surprised. Maybe they've decided this isn't quite as healthy. I don't know what they've done, but there is no smoke in this that I saw, and yet I think it would have made the scene a little bit more realistic at this point. At any rate, you have this moment with Kylo Ren, and then um, you are brought into a pod that is going to be dispatched and return you back to the planet Batu. And this pod is really the drop shaft. Uh, you had the upshaft with the at, upload shaft with the adats. You have now a drop shaft. Now, if you're thinking, oh my gosh, this is going to be like Tower of Terror, and I hate Tower of Terror, it drops too much. The, the, the show building is no more than five floors. That means you're really on a, a third or fourth floor um, because of the height above you. So don't, don't dismay on this. This does drop, and it does give you a sense of drop, but it really flows pretty quick. What gives you a sense that it's actually of what you're doing is you see other pods on the screen falling as well. They kind of give you the sense. Otherwise, if if it were completely dark, I don't know that you'd know that you were coming back to Batu. Um, it really is more a visual thing than it is an effects thing. However, it is well done, and when the elements are together working. Wow, it just really comes together in a, in a fantastic way. Um, you end up sliding into this warehouse, um, and that is where you uh, you see that uh, General Beck, um, who you know was left behind when you left that U ship. He is in his pod. He is also landed. Um, you hear Finn congratulating you um, on the applause and then you are you are disembarked with the with the resistance fighters uh, applauding you on um, if you remember the end of the great movie ride uh, uh, the tour guide is uh, says something to the effect at the end and don't forget to applaud your tour guide something like that ready and action and everybody applauds at the end it provides a nice little fun ending to the great movie ride. They need that here, and I think it it needs to be supported by the cast members, but honestly, the guests were applauding. The guests on their own initiative, without being told, they were applauding at the end of each ride that I went on because it was just so, so amazing. By the time you get to what was about a 20-minute journey. Again, it can vary depending on how long you're being lined up for. 
um, interrogation, but oh my goodness, I know at Universal they applaud at the end of every line and ride, and I know that kind of gets old for Universal crew members, but here I think it's needed, and I think, well, I just think it merits it. It's a terrific, terrific attraction, and you just stumble out of this thing totally um, blown away by what you've seen and and how it has all come together. Wow. And then, you know, you pass by good old Star Tours on your way out. And it reminds me of Felicia Rashad in the dinosaur, you know, movie. I hope you like that quaint exhibit in our old wing, you know. It, uh, Star Tours is still a great attraction. Certainly, um, when you take... Um, uh, and by, oh, I forgot to mention, on uh, my first time going on the attraction, who should be at the exit on opening day, but Scott Trowbridge, who is over this entire operation with Galaxy's Edge and with all the Star Wars pieces. And I went up to him and said, I got to have a selfie. I never do selfies with celebrities or anything. And I wouldn't call him a celebrity, but to me, he, he was... It has been amazing. People have talked about this thing being almost as if it was Disney's folly. Um, oh, yeah, well, you know, Millennium Falcon, it was okay, but it wasn't good as Flight of Passage. You know, Galaxy's Edge, the land looks really good, but I don't know. They spent a lot of money. Well, you can see where the money went. It went on this attraction as well as all the other amazing things. And when you put it together, it is so amazing a place you have to go i am capable of being critical when things aren't quite right but gotta tell you they nailed this they have nailed this and it is just and i told them i said this is amazing this is great thank you for persisting thank you for in for pulling through all the way through to, to come to this day it it truly is amazing you look at uh Rise of the Resistance, and you think about the great Disney attractions. My favorite, which I just mentioned a few minutes ago, is Pirates of the Caribbean. And it's hard to compare this attraction to that one. And I, by the way, I mentioned Pirates of the Caribbean in California because it's much better than in Florida. It's hard to compare it to that attraction because Pirates has had five decades of my life wrapped around it. And it is the attraction of my youth. But I think, you know, for kids that are, were, are six and seven going on this attraction, this will be what they remember five decades from now. This is the attraction of their youth. And they have done an amazing job. I think of Flight of Passage. Yeah, they did a better job on the queue, but... But this attraction and and the and the ride of Flight of Passage is so much better than Soren. But but still, this this is not a ride. This I've heard several people say this is not a ride. This is an experience. Well, it is. It is. I mean, all of Disney is an experience. But this really does it. Tower of Terror. Yeah, it doesn't have the thrill element of Tower of Terror, Rock and Roller Coaster. But oh my goodness, it delivers on those details. It that you kind of see in Tower of Terror, it it more than delivers on the total, you know, problem with Tower of Terror, and I remember when it opened, there was only one drop. <clears throat> I thought, well, this is over quick. Um, this endures. This has the length of Pirates of the Caribbean, and yet the thrill of Tower of Terror. 
I think of Journey to the Center of the Earth. They have great details. They have great immersion there at Tokyo Disney Sea. But this is a much longer attraction as well. Um, Mystic Manor uses the same kinds of ride, um, uh, ride elements, but so much grander, so much bigger in scale than Mystic Manor. Um, uh, compared to Pirates of the Caribbean, Battle for Sunken Treasure, it has that same kind of awe, wow, but I think it pulls it off more cleverly. Um, you know you're in front of screens for Pirates of the Caribbean, Sunken Treasure. Here, they've just made a use of animatronics and screens in such a clever way. Um, and, and probably the only other thing I'd compare this attraction to is Radiator Springs Racers. And, you know, that's a good size length attraction, not as long as this one, but it's about seven, eight, nine minutes in length as your, as your ride goes. And it's very immersive, very clever with the cars and everything inside and outside thrill ride component. I'd say it's very, very close in that. I think it's just your preference. Do you love cars more? Do you love Star Wars more? Um, more special effects in this new attraction than in Radiator Springs. And there, there are a few in there, but this has a lot of very cool special effects. Um, those are the best Disney attractions out there. And yet I gotta tell you on so many levels, it, it, it beats each one of them on some particular note. Um, maybe, is it gonna be your favorite? I don't know. I think you need time to tell that. Um, I think you need multiple rides on it to tell that. I know I do need that. But I will tell you it's immediately in my top few. And, uh, and may inevitably even top the venerable Pirates of the Caribbean in California as being the best attraction ever. Uh, it, it is a complete land now with Galaxy's Edge and all of the great shopping and dining experiences there uh, added to it. The Millennium Falcon, Smuggler's Run, and now Rise of the Resistance. This is a full, full half day to experience this entire land. It is. It has taken Disney's Hollywood Studios to the next level. I think that crowds will be high at Disneyland when it opens there. Um, it is just an amazing, total uh, immersive experience. And I feel very fortunate to have had the chance to be one of the first to see it and to share it with you and to let you know that this is really worth coming and visiting and seeing. That concludes our podcast for today. Um, we got to come back to the Tom Morris Hong Kong Disneyland. It's going to be great. So hang with me in the next few days. We'll have that podcast at Disney at work. In the meantime, know that when you sign up for our uh, newsletter, you get the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge complete guide. Oh yeah, I've got to do some updates and we're going to add some photos and things and videos on it um, to that, uh, uh, to the Rise of Resistance portion. But we have a virtual map, interactive map with it. Uh, there are so many other elements. The one thing I have to tell you, if you're planning on going to see this whole thing, you gotta have some planning to know that you're not passing by a building or even the ride and you've missed it. You gotta know what you're looking for. And without, you know, losing all the spoilers, but you wanna, you wanna know what you're looking for. I 
have known almost all of these details, and yet I have not been spoiled by knowing them. It is still spectacular. You want to check out, I definitely would check out uh, my, uh, my uh, complete guide to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. And of course, uh, stay tuned to my YouTube channel, to this podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast because we're going to continue having great uh, conversations, whether um, it's Disney at Play, where we look at the rides and attractions and experiences uh, individually, and, or whether it's uh, uh, Disney at Work, where we take these Disney concepts and ideas and experiences and apply them back to your own uh, work experience. You definitely want to check us out, so be sure to subscribe. And whether it is work or play, make sure that when it comes to your life, follow the compass of your heart.